Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. I have a question for the two of you. Let's hear it. This isn't the question, but this is the preamble to the question. How long has Studio Neat been in business for now? Coming on 12 years, 12 right, there. 12 years. Okay. Yeah. So lots of experience. A dozen years of experience. <laughs> uh, I, I was looking at something today uh, for Cortex Brand. Like We're working on a few various like different projects, and I was trying to kind of like get out of my head like how much money do we need to budget to buy stock for different items, right? Just because I, I realized I had it all in my head, you know, like I've got like a bunch of plates spinning of like, okay, so oh, if yeah. you sell that here, how much money do I need to save here to get an order of this and et cetera, et cetera. So I wrote it all down just so I could like have it all in front of me and I felt better about it. I could start planning things out. I just wonder, how do you guys do this kind of stuff? Like if you've got products that are on the horizon that you maybe are new that you want to launch or then products you want to restock, like do you have systems for how you manage this kind of forecasting no okay if only (laughs) okay um i mean we you know we have a system sure but it doesn't feel um like good uh Mm -hmm. i think the there's several aspects to this the the thing that's particularly tricky is um it's just really difficult to really be that planned when you only manufacture an item like once a year or once every couple years or something because a it takes a long time to like spin up that production and then get them to you and also we it's like very often we make like big orders that are expensive and so if we were, I mean, I know the way you're supposed to run like logistics in a company is like you basically are always having the item produced like constantly. So you kind of have this constant flow of product and it becomes efficient and like you can expect things, but that's just not where we are mm. or anywhere near that scale. And so it it really feels like we're always just like chasing it, like we're always behind. Um, and, and the problem you could say, well, just be earlier, like just start doing things sooner or earlier. Um, it's just, we usually don't either have the cash available mm-hmm. or the time or attention. And it's just, it's just a really, it's a struggle for sure. It's one of the biggest struggles is like inventory management and, and managing cash flow. And I think most people in a business, especially that are involved with like physical production would say exactly the same thing. Um, okay. Yeah, it's just difficult. I mean, we definitely... We definitely have experience and wisdom that has built been built up. Yeah. Um, but it's not like we have some magic piece of software that tracks everything. Yeah, no. We, I, honestly, I was thinking of it more in those terms of like, what has your experience taught you? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, because do you try and like not overextend yourselves too much like try and like if you have an idea like try and like back burner it a little more or whatever like that's the kind of the stuff i was wondering about really yeah we struggle with that too we've we've gone through different seasons of that like um in the beginning of the business like we definitely timed tried to time product releases and stuff around the holidays or a schedule 
And then with Mark One, we had this huge crunch where the Kickstarter, like, we were basically promising ourselves and our backers that we'd be able to get the Mark One out before like the holidays, mm-hmm. and that turned into a really, really stressful situation. And it was basically needless. Like we didn't need to make that promise to ourselves or our customers. And so after that, we made this like declaration: like we will no longer care about like timing anything, <laughs> and don't, we don't care about like goals even of like timing. We'll just mm-hmm. move forward without these goals. And I think we are learning that that is also not the answer. Like we can't just have no. Um, goals because what happened with Mark II was we had all these products like lined up to come out after Mark II and because of all the delays from Mark II we just kept putting off everything and then basically we went a year without releasing anything Mm. and that really has been a huge problem for us like financially with the business and all this stuff and so it can't be I don't, well, at least for us it doesn't seem like it can work where you're just like we'll just be really organic we'll just be patient patient, 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 because then maybe nothing happens or it takes too long. So mm-hmm. we're trying to find a middle ground where we don't back ourselves into needless corners in terms of like time constraints, but we also have some motivation to like get things out, right? Or like a cadence or whatever. And so, yeah. And, it, you know, I don't think even the thing we come up with will be the right answer. Like, I think that is a, the problem in a lot of ways. It's just mm. like, where do you divert resources? And the thing is like the same, you know, with this whole inventory question, it's literally the same question in a little bit different way. It's just like how, cause yeah, you could buy inventory, Mike, for 30 years, right? Right now. <laughs> right. And then they not worry about it. But obviously there's problems with that <laughs> money wise and all this stuff. You yeah. could get a huge loan, right. And make all this inventory. So it's, that is, I think, the work of the business, right? Like that is the work is is making those trade offs of like time and attention and resources, um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think maybe the wisest way I can frame it at this point is, it is good to make like goals and set things up to where you are motivated and pushed to do things, but have it to where those deadlines can be moved. Um, So like, for instance, we don't want to still set up like a deadline that coincides with like a national holiday that Mm -hmm. is immovable because that is just could be recipe for disaster. But doing things like a Kickstarter project where you have backers that are waiting for something and you've promised it to them is like really helpful in keeping the gas on and are keeping the motivation on. And so yeah. I think finding ways to <clears throat> have that external pressure or is super useful. And so one way we might do that in the future is like we like pre-sell a product, um, you know, like we sell the product before it's made just like a Kickstarter, but not a Kickstarter just so that we get it out quicker than instead of like pre-making it and then selling it once it's ready. Because the difference between those two might be a lot in terms of time, in terms of just like getting motivated to just like get it out the door, like and pushing hard. So I think it's like finding those ways to kind of set up the external constraints is like the trick of it. Um, And I I think honestly, it's the same for the inventory question too, where it's like you you have to set up like an external structure or schedule that reminds you to like 
really keep an eye on inventory or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my long answer. <laughs> yeah. Another, this is getting a little bit specific, but another thing that's tricky about our business specifically is we sit in kind of a, well, I was going to say sweet spot, but it's, it's not, it's a spot. It's not always sweet, I guess, but, uh, as the amount of products we sell for certain SKUs, uh, it's like the quantity just hits just right to where we can order. How do I say this? Like we, we, we kind of have to over order it a little bit because it's cheaper Per part to do that so it's like maybe we only want to order 2000 let's say but it's like oh it would actually be like it's a much better deal to order 4000 so that's like the sensible thing to do but then it's like you need the cash to do that and you're not going to realize profit on those products until several months down the line because you're still paying off that initial investment. Yeah. So that's what started to crunch us a little bit. Uh, it's just like these cash flow things where it's like we can't just buy four, you know, three months worth of inventory and be reordering every quarter just because mm -hmm. – a, that's pretty annoying, but B, the part cost for many things would kind of lower our margins or we'd have to raise the prices or whatever. So that's another thing we're grappling with is like, how do we allow ourselves to order, you know, like a year's worth of products? If it's like a stable product where we're comfort, you know, we're, we're confident we're not going to get stuck with a bunch of inventory. Um, it's like, how do we manage that to where we can do that? And then, because I prefer that, like, I, I don't want to have to, think about inventory for that product four times a year. I'd rather just sure. do it once a year, uh, but that comes with complications. Yeah, because then you're tying, you're just tying everything up, right? And we right. had that. So like with with the journal, we have not taken any profit on the journal until this year. Mm -hmm. Like we were just, all the money we made, in. we were reinvesting into more stock. Mm -hmm. And that's finally started to come good. But it mm. felt like a long time of just, <laughs> you know, I just had this spreadsheet, which is just like, here's how much money you have tied up in stock. And it was just like, mm -hmm. this is obscene, right? Like, <laughs> are we ever going to sell any of this? You know, it's kind of yeah, was the yeah. feeling at the time, right? Because it, yeah. it took a while for us to, to realize anything on it. But like now, like, I guess it's been the benefit for me and Gray of the way that we started this is like, as a side business, it's like, mm -hmm. we have been in, we have been able to, hold more money in the company to invest into new projects. So that's like been a benefit for us because we have run it as a separate thing that we have not needed to take money from because we have mm -hmm. our existing businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. been like a, a luxury for us. But it also just becomes quite scary for me as I'm then taking that money and like investing it in new ideas Yep. Yeah. But like, what if none of this ever realizes, yeah. and we are well, just <laughs> sitting on this forever? You know, <laughs> or or like we could end up in a situation where like we've invested all this money into all these various things, but one of them works, but yeah. then we've got no more money because right. we invested. You know what I mean? So it's it's it's, yep. it's like basically the 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 other part I was going to ask you is like, does the fear of this ever go away? And I feel like maybe it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, a, it's always a challenge. I would say the fear changes. Um, I mean, honestly, we've been probably the most anxious we've been about our business like ever, like re right, in, in right. recently, right? But 
It's different, I think. Like, um, you're always going to be jump. I think you always got to be jumping off a cliff, right? And building on the way down. Like, I think that is healthy and good um, and exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. And the thing you get better at, or at least I think we have, and I'm sure you will too, is you get better at the confidence of that decision, mm-hmm. right? You get better at like, oh, okay, we're going to jump. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But it is, when it gets hard, it still is hard. And it still yeah. is emotionally difficult. Um, and so, yeah. The thing, though, that I think that we, that has actually kind of helped, kind of helped pull us out of um, some of the, like, difficulties related to these problems you're talking about is uh, actually, like, t- taking short-term loans, and I think for a long time, because we grew the business so organically and we never had any kind of investment or debt or anything, that seemed like a failure or something. It's like, oh, why would we do that? Like we're, we're like messing up or something. Sure. But the thing you come to know is that like, oh, this is actually how most businesses operate. And some people consider it like you, almost a requirement um, for like a business to be growing. Like if, if you were an investor, like especially like a VC firm or something, like if you're not taking on a bunch of debt uh, to grow your business, like it's like, why aren't you doing that? It, so it's, it was really interesting starting to talk to people who do like business financing and stuff. Like, you know, getting loans for, for instance, buying inventory is like incredibly common and the yeah. standard, right? It's because of these cash flow issues are like, incredibly normal right and so uh, most people if they're coming at this from like a traditional business point of view like they're just like oh well you just get some business financing to you know and you just pay 20 percent or whatever right so uh, that's the thing i think that is this um it kind of sits in the space where like a lot of these independent indie businesses organically grown businesses like operate where it's like they were grown organically uh, they're not necessarily coming from a business school or traditional business context. And so it just seems like we either feel like guilty or feel strange about some of these things that are like very common business practices. And it's I think it's nice to remember that like this running a small businesses and building physical products has been going on for centuries. And there's like tons and tons of resources and mechanisms that can support that right like you're actually not doing something new right (laughs) like you can go back and rely on the like centuries of like business services that exist and what really drove this home which was so insane and i recommend you never do when we were looking for a short-term loan i i like put my email into like a lending tree type like lead generating thing and i knew i was like man i'm gonna get a bunch of spam but it has been six months, and I still get probably four phone calls a day. Whoa. <laughs> from, yeah, okay. And I'm not exaggerating at no, all I, in several I, emails. I, I have no doubt about that. I mean, I know how much terrible <laughs> but it just junk like email it doesn't stop. Yeah. It's insane. Well, because like all of these companies are just hoping they hit you at the point where you say, yeah, right? Yes. Yeah, so they're like, yeah. hey, are you looking for business funding? Yeah. yeah. I, I, here's like a loan. You can pre approve for like $300,000. Like, now. Because think of know? what a sweet business that is. It's like all you have to do is have money and patience, yeah. and yeah. then you get yeah. to turn it into more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and risk, risk, it's assessing risk is like the whole yeah. thing. But, but anyway, so it makes me like, 
I, I do not want to completely get in this cycle of like bringing out a bunch of debt and then, you know, having a bunch of debt service and ha- have that priced into our balance sheet or whatever. But just knowing that that is incredibly normal yeah. um, is not, is like just good to know, right? Yeah. You're not in this alone in a lot of ways. It doesn't have to be like completely organic. It can be, you can, yeah, you can take on debt. Like it's totally fine. So yeah, so I feel like at the moment, like the benefit we have is we're kind of borrowing from ourselves, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We'd, and we've been lucky in that regard. But like, I could imagine at some point in the future, like us hitting on something and feeling like, oh, we could be at a point where we could grow quite a lot, but we need X, Y, and Z, you know? Mm-hmm. But it could even be simple. So for instance, like for instance, the reason we took the first short-term loan because we were like, oh, wow, we could, if we just like buy more in Mark One inventory, like we don't have the cash to just like, spend $80,000 right this moment. Mm-hmm. But if we could, it's like way cheaper per part, you know, or whatever. And so you can just get like a 12 month short term loan uh, that gets paid every, you know, like a little thing every week. And then it just gets paid off. And the, and the 20% or 17% or whatever it costs for that loan is definitely worth it in terms of the part cost on the other side and mm-hmm. honestly the time and attention because we don't have to do this twice we can just do it once in terms of the like qa process and all this stuff and so it feels like it feels like uh irresponsible or at least to us it feels like irresponsible or like uh not as a quote good business or not as a like or maybe our business is not sustainable because we have to take loans it was like no this is like literally what it's you do. This is actually flow, a good decision right? like that's yeah, the, yeah. That's the whole it, thing. it's actually a profitable decision because mm-hmm. we're saving more than like 17 percent or whatever on the parts so if you have a really long-term view you're like oh actually this is much better to do to take right. this loan right it's yeah. not even if you had the money it would maybe be better to take the loan right and so it's tricky it's just like when you say you're going to buy a car and the car's like, let's just say a $50,000 car. Let's say you have the cash to do it. But it's better probably to take that capital that you would have, get a loan for the car that's, you know, a 1% interest rate or whatever, and then invest the rest in this, you know, and get 7% returns on the year or whatever, right? It's like, it, it feels like riskier or something, but from a financial long, cold calculating perspective, it might actually be better. So, um, yeah, I think it's just good to be start to get comfortable with that kind of cash right. flow problem because it is just like a problem and it's all about capital and and just you know and it, obviously it's really difficult starting out and it's hard to get loans starting out because you don't have like a proven track record etc cetera, etc cetera. but just you know i think just knowing that that is totally a normal option is a really good thing oh it's so scary all of it <laughs> yeah yep it's uh it's crazy the one thing that i really like I mean, it's probably bad for me personally, but one thing that I do enjoy is how money becomes fake. Like, that's really nice. When <laughs> when you start writing, like, $30,000 checks or $40,000 checks that you just, like, you just, like, send it to, like, a company to, like, make parts or something, you start, or at least I do, I start to think about money as, like, just a... Literally just a means to an end. Sure. And 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 that is, you know, obviously it could be negative if you're, you know, personally with your personal finances and just kind of being, I guess, flippant or something. But mm. it's it's nice to start thinking about that as literally like a flow. Like <laughs> just this money's this money's going out right now, but more is gonna come in and maybe sometimes we need a bigger 
amount to come in for this reason and then it's going to trickle in slowly back or just really thinking about it as this kind of as a flow right and so mm-hmm. when that happened the first couple of years when we like would write these big checks and it was at first it was just like so insane uh <laughs> the idea of that um but now it's nice that like just having that different kind of context for it is really really helpful and so i think that will happen right it won't seem as scary exactly i think it will feel like you know it could be big decisions and stuff but it's not you know the numbers will become more abstract i bet is is my guess yeah and i assume a lot of this stuff is like it takes time yeah for sure you know like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i've become more confident in the amount of journals i can order each time (laughs) and we witnessed that right yeah (laughs) we witnessed (laughs) witnessed that in real time yeah (laughs) right like whereas like oh can i order 500 that seems yeah that seems like a terrible idea you know what i mean yeah 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 and so and and that yeah that's it's it's one of the true uh learn by doing uh things that the cliche is true in this case where yeah you're just going to get more comfortable uh you know placing those bigger orders because you have a sales history now um you know you may someday have your own uh ob experience but that'll create a learning uh a learning moment for you as well. So, well, I mean, you know, I spilled the beans a little bit. So, we made the the subtle notebook, right? It's just like a, just a blank notebook version of the journal. Mm-hmm. We've pretty much only just now broken even on that, mm-hmm. and that's been mm-hmm. around for a year. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't know what it was. I think it was maybe just it did we didn't have a good enough story for that product. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, so like it wasn't like a failure we've broken even on it there's now profit on it but i was thinking like oh easy like we're gonna you know this is an this is another journal another home run you know what yeah. i mean it's like yeah. oh everyone yeah. loves the journal like what if, because we'd had people asking like oh i don't want a journal but i would love a notebook you know and so yeah. we made it and so people bought it but i think we sold it to all those people and now for yeah. us it's like <laughs> a, a thing to have in stock it's just like an extra, like how we yeah. sell, like we always sew a t-shirt, we always sew a hoodie. And so like, we'll probably just always keep this in stock, but it wasn't yeah. what I thought, but it was a good yeah. experience for us because now with the other projects that I'm working on, I'm realizing that like, there has to be more thought in them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like you said, the story you're telling, um, yeah, you're learning, Mike. It's beautiful to witness. I <laughs> well, I'm being taught by the two of you. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm being told I mean, something, you know. That's yeah. right, something. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that's always going to be the case, though. Like we have the same things where you know, often we can kind of tell if something's going to be like a big hit or something, but you don't always know. And I think it's not an excuse. You know, I think having those things that kind of fill out a product line are good. Like they really do um, kind of fill in the gaps. Like it actually is like good. Like it is good to kind of have a diverse offering and so yeah, it's it's a whole the mm. whole world, man. But <laughs> what have you guys got going on? What do we got going Just on? Just assembling some orange pens currently. <laughs> I saw that on Instagram. I saw that on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> so yeah. That's, we, a, that's what I'm up to of, this week. <laughs> Lots of lots of pins going out. Um, yeah, what I mean, we have things. You know, we have things. 
we definitely have things cooking um and we have things imminently coming out for sure but yeah i mean honestly this this we're you know i think from a macro view of like our company like we're in this we're definitely in this transition point where we don't have as much time as we need to be making new products right uh and so we need to like make a structural change in terms of like having someone help us with assembly and stuff, but that, that requires, you know, some outside things or some like, a you know, an office or something. So we're kind of in this kind of middle ground. That's a little bit of a crunch time in terms of like having to do a lot of stuff at once. But I, I don't know. I think we're going to, I think we'll get out of it. Like, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's, it's like, it really has forced us to be like, okay, we need to make this uncomfortable change. So so yeah, I mean, we're kind of, you know, we're cruising along, but yeah, it is very pin, there's a lot of pin stuff going on right now, which I guess has been our history, but uh, in the last couple of years, but. Yeah, big pin boys. Big oh, pin yeah, boys. That's it, us. We really turned into big pin boys. Uh-huh. Like, uh, it's a decent business to be in if you can do it right, and you two do it, do it right. Yeah, we do. Mark one's really good, and the Mark two is good. Like they're good. I would pins. say I'm it's just... a, a bit of longer term follow up. I've really started warming up to the Mark two more now. Oh, hmm. what way? <laughs> what way? It's just like when I, as I said, like when I first used it, I was like, I like it, but I don't like it as much as the Mark one. Mm-hmm. And now, I still don't like it as much as the Mark one. Like that pen is perfect for me, right? Like I would not change a thing. But the the gap is is shortening now. I, I'm I'm using the Mark II more and more, and I'm starting to really appreciate it more for what it is, rather than trying to compare it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and just cool. as like a little pen uh, to like just have around and to do, you know, to pop in my pocket and stuff is perfect. But also, I'm I'm appreciating it more for its objectness. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, right. It it's is just, a good object. It is a it's very good. good object, and yeah. I'm appreciating it more for that too. Cool. And I, I yeah, keep seeing really... people posting them online and, and Yeah, they're they're definitely like we're almost done. We're are we done yet, Dan with Kickstarter? No. Oh, we're done. We're, we're, we're done with uh, no, we <laughs> actually Kickstarter. are Kickstarter we should be done and yeah. now we're like finishing up the pre orders. So right. Yeah, and, and we'll be on our, like, website. on our website really soon. So it's good. It's you'll actually be able really to there. sell them. Yeah, yeah, like sell them, yeah, like other things so that's that will be i i still don't really think how how big of a change relief that will be for us to actually get that not behind us but just like in a different phase of its life instead of like birthing it difficultly for Mm -hmm. two years so um yeah i think that's going to be a huge thing for us and we are really close to that so that's awesome we're just kind of waiting on the last like batch of parts from the coder um so so yeah, so that is actually really awesome, and then hopefully, yeah, I can start to actually like the Mark II again um, instead of just <laughs> hating it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, so yeah, so I, it's good. I, I'm, I'm feeling good about that stuff. I mean, it is pretty amazing. It, I, I, we have not had. Um, I don't think we've ever really. We never had products before the Mark One where it was like. Oh, we could be selling this for 30 years. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's you know, because they were always attached to like Apple products or something where we knew yep. like, you know, this how long is this going to last? But it's like, oh no, we made this really good pin and like it there's no reason for it to change, right? Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. it's just there. And so that to feel to make that kind of like object object is pretty um 
never done that before. That's pretty cool. And I think it's starting to feel that way now that it's a couple years old and, and, uh, it's just kind of, it, and we've actually this latest batch of parts. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we will make some modifications down the road, but it's like, we made improvements Mm. and it for, in terms of like basically assembly and stuff and, and reliability for manufacturing and they like worked out. So it's like, feels good in terms of like, okay, this is getting, maybe to where it's just going to stay this way. Right. Yeah. And so that feels really good. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, hopefully that's, that's can... always going to be a thing, right? It's ne- nothing's ever truly done. Done. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. Like tweaks, like absolutely. But uh, it feels at least like that one is really like, and honestly the Mark two, I don't, we have a couple little tweaks. I think we would make when we make them again, but in general we did a much better time this time around of like, designing for the assembly and stuff and so if we have those two pins like under us and they're like solid we're like not going to change them it's like it's that feels really good to just like Mm. have them sitting there and just like Mm. as like a foundation to build off of so so yeah so hopefully that's you know talk to us in a year and hopefully we're just (laughs) continuing to cruise we change we changed the packaging for the mark one oh yeah yeah i haven't seen that yet but i heard about it we made we made the transition yep Goodbye, tree flesh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, tree, tree bark mulch. I mean, that was that. I mean, talk about buying a supply of inventory. I mean, what that was three years, four years worth of cork yeah. packaging. That yeah. <laughs> slowly whittled <laughs> away. away. I mean, that wasn't yeah. our fault. They made twice as much as we asked for. So I right. guess it should have only been two years or so. But uh, yeah. Yeah, we did it. We made it. We, did <laughs> we it. made it we got, through. We got through. So soon we'll eat through all the springs. That will take a really long time. That's oh, yeah. like one of the most like products in terms of like, oh, you gotta make like, a, if you make a billion of these, it's way cheaper than making like a thousand or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then why you gotta put a billion springs? You know. Yeah. Good yeah. Thing they're yeah. small. They're really small. That's the thing. That's the saddest thing about it. You know, Mike, I mean, I think I've, we've talked about this, but it's just so funny to me that when you order like 15,000 springs or whatever, they just come to you loose in a box. It's just like <laughs> so ridiculous. It's like, is this a cartoon? Like, why aren't these even aren't in a they bag? All like, <laughs> don't they get tangled together? They do, but they actually, you would think that that's a nightmare, but they actually just, you just pull it and it comes off. Like, it's actually not a problem. But it's just hilarious. They're like not even in a plastic bag. It's like literally a box. You open it and it's like (laughs) just a ton of springs. Oh my (laughs) God. What? That's horrible. (laughs) I would hate to deal with that. (laughs) But it's actually not hard to deal with at all. It's like, oh, okay. Like I we I put them into Ziploc bags to be like a little bit smaller quantities, but it's just like it's it's funny. It's one of those weird. You count them out? No, 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 no. Why would I do that? Because you said you put them into zip, like, is about ziplock bag. Not individually. Not individually. No, no, I just figured you're like, oh, I get 20, get another 20. No, no, no. I like handfuls. Like handfuls of springs. Here's 5,000. Just so it's more manageable at any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like a box, huge box. But yeah, it's just funny. Uh, That kind of stuff is always strange. The the most, actually, the silliest. The silliest thing we've ever received in terms of material like that is on the uh, like docks and neat ice kit and stuff. We had this die cut foam inserts for our boxes for the packaging. And 
when you get that from the factory, it comes in these huge cubes. They're like blue. They're like a cube of foam, like four feet by four feet by four feet or something. And they're wrapped in this like blue plastic. And it's like all, they're like stacked up super perfectly. But if you open the blue plastic (laughs) and you like try to get one, they like stick to each other and they get like all messy and stuff. And then it becomes this complete nightmare. Like they're never as small as if they came and they're huge. I mean, it's like a huge amount of foam. It's a huge amount of space. And so we had, we in storage, we would just have these like huge cubes of like, like really light foam (laughs) that were just like messy. It was such a... Such a nightmare. And so that was one of the huge reasons why we moved away from that packaging. It's just like dealing with that foam, like yeah. in these like yeah. loose blue bags. It was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That seems like one of those things where like, oh, we've got a great idea. Like we'll use yeah. this nice little foam and it's going to be nice and protected. And it's like, oh yeah, but now you've got to deal with all of that. Yeah. I don't think I could handle that. Like the, um, the feeling of that. Like all those, that fun, like rubbing and touching. Oh, makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't even. Yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) going back to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning and kind of what you learn along the way, I think we've done a ton of learning in that uh, category where it's like previously with the packaging. Basically, I think what you learn is how many parameters there actually are for something. Whereas when we were originally doing packaging, it was basically a cost versus niceness calculation where it's like, how can we make packaging that feels nice and has a nice out of box experience Mm -hmm. and doesn't cost an arm and a leg. And those were two correct parameters, but on (laughs) over the years, what we've learned, like what we've added on top of that is how big is it? How uh, difficult is it? Is it going to be to store? Um, like how recyclable is it? It's like you basically just add on constraints um, and parameters to your decision making. So that can be constraining in some ways, but it can also be liberating where it's like, uh, oh, okay, we kind of know the lay of the land here. We know what we have to consider. And so we're just going to do a heat sealed pouch. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but that's the design process, right? I mean, I think that's just like, that's the design process. Yeah. Just like, you know, an ever widening funnel at the top where you can collect (laughs) more and more information and you get better at sorting it on the way down. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's funny how much we have, it really all a lot of the learning is not about the design process of the product it's like the meta design process it's like how do you design this for manufacturing how do you design this for easy shipping how do you design this for easy assembly etc etc right like all the design changes for mark one have been not about the pin in terms of a user facing a user experience point of view but rather from a business point of view of like make this better for manufacturing make this better for assembly and packaging and logistics and so it's been interesting to uh kind of gain that wisdom uh around the kind of like meta aspects of these products and and i think we need to get better at like telling the story that telling that story of the like meta design that's happening um but uh but yeah it's 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 fun i mean that's it's it's a pain it's often a pain uh, but it does, it feels good when you can use that knowledge. Like with the Mark II, we like used all that knowledge, um, like all the meta knowledge. And so, mm-hmm. 
super helpful to just be like, oh yeah, let's avoid cork <laughs> or <laughs> let's avoid <laughs> like, you know, this or that. So do you want to do a tech corner? Sure. Or did you want to address this uh, follow up? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it hurts my head. All right. So this comes from Eugene. With reference to Dan's Daylight's adjustment number, could you imagine trying to schedule a meeting with someone in the Southern Hemisphere, for example, me in Australia, where your time is moving forward by 20 seconds a day while my time is moving backwards by 20 seconds a day? Yeah. Because that was the problem with your terrible idea of moving the day by 20-second increments. (laughs) Well, first off, once again... Our apologies to our friends down under. <laughs> we are just completely consistently, <laughs> consistently disrespecting everybody uh, in the southern hemisphere. But I think I have I I think I have a pretty clean solution for this. Okay. Um, have either of you seen the movie Tenet? No. Mm-mm. No. Oh. Oh, that's too bad. The Christopher well, Nolan. But maybe movie. just even if we had, pretend the audience hasn't. I mean, it's yeah. not okay. Like <laughs> well, what I'm what I'm suggesting is basically uh, a temporal orientation movement, or Tom for short. <laughs> and uh, you 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 basically enter a machine like a carousel that reverses time, and so <laughs> if everyone in the southern hemisphere did that, then it would actually cleanly line up exactly. Wait, so what you're <laughs> asking is every single person in the southern hemisphere to go through some kind of procedure to make sure that the dan works right exactly or we'll, build next, a machine next, big enough next episode yeah. are you going to create something called the mic which fixes all of the problems from the tongue we'll see we'll see <laughs> now i see why you wanted to do this follow-up <laughs> now i still think my idea was the best idea which is just get rid of it and just get not just rid of daylight savings just get rid of all time zones i still think that's the best thing to do well i don't want to get into it again but that's a that's a concurrent idea it doesn't solve the problem it's a it's a yes and what and you think creating a thing which you have to create another thing for is <laughs> well, not a yes i'm just and. saying see the movie first before you judge <laughs> <laughs> what does this thing do again so do you not even know the the premise of tenet no Oh, you're not a Christopher Nolan guy? Uh, yeah, but I just didn't see Tenet because it well, was only in it, cinema and just and then I got oh, yeah, Christopher that, Nolan. And then just, right, yeah, now I remember that whole thing. Uh, so, I mean, a bit just broadly, it's like there's people that have the ability to move backwards through time. Um, not in like a time travel way. It's like I would be walking down the street and I would see Tom like walking backwards, but from his perspective, he's walking forwards and everyone else around him is walking backwards. So it's having like concurrent time that's running backwards and forwards. Um, that's yeah, the general like, like uh, Nolan movie. I yeah, don't it's very. What's going on. It is. <laughs> I I like his kind of like brain twisty stuff. Yeah. And even this one was like, all right, I'm going to read the Wikipedia entry after because I've <laughs> I like. There's a lot of things that I don't quite get after seeing this movie. Uh, it's like a cool. It's a really cool premise, at, but I think he. Uh, obfuscates it just a little too much to where it's like, all right, I actually am just legitimately lost right now. Um, but uh, I think it's still kind of a cool movie. Wait, he did Memento too and Looper, or did he not do Memento? He did not do Looper. That's Ryan Johnson. Oh, but he did Memento? And he, he did also Memento. did the Prestige, okay. which might be my favorite yeah. of his movies. Yes, Prestige is yeah. my favorite too. Yeah. High five. 
<laughs> Leaving me out. Well, do you want to do a tech corner or just transition this to a movie corner? Is there more? No, that was it. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with tech corner then. Dance tech corner. Oh, oh. wow. That was aggressive. Uh, I miss my <laughs> iPhone 11 Pro. Hmm. Yeah, this is one I wanted to uh, broadcast to our uh, enormous audience because I need, I have a, Mike, you have an iPhone 13 Pro, right? Mm -hmm. Do you ever, have you noticed that the back swiping gesture doesn't register often? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah, so like you're in, say you're in Safari and you want to go back. Yeah, or just, yeah, or in mail, just like backwards yeah. in the stack. And I find on my 13 Pro, it's kind of hard to describe what it feels like. You know it's what? Like there's a... I can see this. I, I wouldn't say I've noticed <laughs> this, but I'm now like I'm in messages and I'm trying to go back and like half of them don't work. Yeah, it like yeah. gets kind of stuck and then yeah. it, it rubber bands back to uh, to your current view. It, like the it's a failure of the gesture and... I noticed this immediately, and it never happened on my iPhone 11 Pro. And I have no idea what to make of it. Like, is it a software thing? Is it a hardware thing? Is it because of the bezels? Is it because of the case? You know, is it? I don't. I I, I I do not know. Like, so the 11 had the round sides, right? I just think that that was an easier ramp onto. But I think, but it's so weird because I never fail to start the back swipe. Like I'm always grabbing it and pulling it successfully. But then when I let go, like expecting the oh. swipe to be successful, it right. like shoot, you know, it shoots okay. back. So this isn't what I thought you were talking about from when I was mm. trying it out. I don't, I don't, I can't say I've experienced that. I've got to say. Mm. But you're saying you sometimes go to do the gesture and like you miss, like yeah. you'll swipe and it won't. And I think that's because it's like the sharp corner, maybe, I don't know, kicks me up out of. Well, but they're the same thing. So here's my hypothesis, especially okay. knowing how the gesture system works in code. So what this, these gesture systems have a really difficult time, right? It's like such an impossible problem where. You're just, you're getting a stream of data, right? Like, oh, this position, the finger or whatever. And it has to make a choice when you let go, when you lift up, it makes a choice like, oh, was it scrolling down or was it one going, going back or whatever? And I bet one of the strongest signals to that algorithm is um, like, where, how close to the edge did that gesture start? And most likely, you know, you got to think about it. When your finger's going across the screen, it's sampling that movement a certain amount of times per second. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's not, zero is probably almost never the first number it gets in its little data stream, right? Like, oh, its exposition is zero. It's like right on the edge. It's almost never the case. Maybe the first point it picks up is like 10 pixels into the screen or 20 pixels into the screen. <clears throat> and then it gets a bunch that are going over. And it lifts up. <clears throat> so it's trying to figure out like, oh, okay, well, what's, where, what are they really trying to do here? And so if you had a rounded piece of glass, it's probably actually quite a bit easier 
to get that zero or get the start of that gesture to be closer to the actual edge of the screen. Because especially if you have a case on your phone, it's probably like way better because your thumb is actually like touching it or whatever. And so that would be my guess is that like because of the geometric difference, you're more often, it's like reading the start of your gesture closer to the screen. And so it's more confidently like a signal that this is like the back gesture or whatever. Because that's like, that's what that gesture is, right? Like if I just took my finger and put it down on the screen and then went right, that's not a back gesture. It has to start like really close to zero, right? Really close to the edge of the screen. And so that would be my guess. It's just like the geometric aspects of the phone with or without a case just like really change the way that data comes in yeah well i I think that addresses what mike was saying but for me i never fail to start yeah doesn't matter it's but it's it's correctly interpreting that i want to go back because it's actually doing the back yeah but here's the deal if i if if i touch down my finger not off the edge of the screen and start that left gesture, it will do that. Because it's literally guessing. Like, it has to guess. It has to start. The way it, quote, looks responsive, right, on an iPhone is, it has to be doing a bunch of stuff before it knows what it's doing. So if you put your finger down on your phone, not on the edge, and then start going left, it's going to start doing that back gesture because it wants it to feel responsive. The moment that you lift your finger up is the moment that it actually makes the decision. It's going to start doing things visually. It's going to actually probably put it in two states. It's probably like he could be doing a back and he could be scrolling or whatever. And I'm going to actually say both. It's like indeterminate right now. And so although it looks like, oh, I knows I'm doing a back gesture. Really what it's saying is he's maybe doing a back gesture. And then when you lift your screen off, when your finger off, it's saying, oh, no, he didn't do a back gesture. And I'm guessing the, the, the decision point there is really like how close you started that gesture to the edge of the screen. So although it, it is definitely like always interpreting that you are maybe doing a back gesture, it just doesn't think you are at the end of the day. And I bet you it's because of how close that gesture started to the screen. It could also yeah. be, honestly, the sample rate of the, I mean, I don't know what the sample rate of that, the like, I mean, that was, that was my is. other, it was like, yeah, what, what has changed uh, between this phone and my other one hardware wise? And it's like, well, the, the 120 Hertz and the, uh, and this flat edges and then yeah. like invisible things like, Oh, maybe like stuff happening in the bezel, you know, like how far yeah. does the touch sensor extend exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but what's frustrating about it is like my muscle memory of that gesture hasn't changed. So it's like, I'm in my mind, I am like doing the swipe more than generously enough to where it like, no question should interpret yeah. as a back uh yeah. a back move so it's uh it's really frustrating like it's gotten to the point where i'm just like i want to get rid of this phone and buy a used like 11 pro and go wow. back to <laughs> i know it's like it's really irritating and i think it's like the first iphone i've ever had that has like a daily irritation uh hmm. why don't it. you just so, like very slowly take, take 20 seconds every time you want to go back that um, i could do that you know just give it like a good 20 seconds is the swipe yeah. <laughs> you know you love that well so. tom do you have you noticed this on your 12 
I don't have a case, you know. So uh, yeah, neither do I. And I, I never was. I never used that a ton. I use it, but I've never like. Oh man, I I use it like for sure. But yeah, and maybe to answer your question, maybe that means that it is working just fine because I haven't noticed it not working. Yeah, I also don't feel like I've used it like crazy amount. Like I do find myself pushing back sometimes when i'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah i could have used a swipe but yeah but yeah no but you know i don't have a case and yeah. i'm almost certain or i am certain that the case makes a huge difference in literally the problem i was just saying like well i yeah so i i when when i first kind of got the phone and i noticed it and i was like oh dang what's going on here i try i did two experiments one is i like took the case off and was like let's see if this happens again and it definitely did whether or not it was happening less or not i didn't like really experiment long enough to determine that but it was like okay this is still happening and then i also like turned off the 120 hertz uh like lowered it back down to 60 and i was like let me just see if like that is causing the problem for some reason and it was it didn't make a difference like it was the same yeah so i am perplexed by the way ladies and gentlemen this is literally how we make products at Studio Need. Like, literally, <laughs> Dan has some nagging th- grudge uh, about something. Like, oh, man, I really want to do this, but I can't. And if this wasn't an iPhone, we'd be like, maybe we could make a thing that does that, you know, mm-hmm. that solves the problem. And then I am like, oh, maybe we could do this. That's, like, literally how we make products. <laughs> it's, like, literally the same, like, Dan's persnickety noticing not letting things go. Yeah. So we can all thank him for uh, for literally all of our products. Basically. So I think the product <laughs> I think the product is pretty clear. It's just like a little nubbin that you put. It like extends the length of your thumb, so it makes oh, it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It's, <laughs> it's like a little great. faux uh, thumb nubbin thing. Um, but actually, I do again to our huge audience of listeners, t- tweet at me or whatever if you are experiencing this as well, because I do want to know if I'm just like the only person that feels this way or if other people have noticed this if this is like a widespread maybe we can turn this into like a gate thing to get a you the confirmation <laughs> bias back yeah. flooding in from <laughs> yeah yeah back gate <laughs> thoroughly considered as a joint production between relay fm and studio neat you can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 79.